The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And it doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. I see. Mm Mm-hmm. That's one option. What might be another? I can hear what you're saying, but I'm not sure you're comfortable with that. Oh, I'm just doing stretches, that's all, before the program here. you got to do show prep. Me, I got to stretch. You can't immediately start talking, giving out your two cents without stretching. So I stretch a little bit. Some of the some of the more common stretch exercises are, I see where you're coming from. I can go with that because it requires a lot of movement of the mouth, the tongue, the teeth. It helps. The uh, mm-hmm really doesn't take much. I mean, I've seen a lot of shrinks pull muscles immediately, the first minute or so of the session, because they just did their stretches as mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's no good. Uh, they told me, Eric Dumont and Andrew Kruchek told me, make sure you give out the number. They always reminded me, give out the number. All right. The number. Eight. That's it. What number did you want me to give out? Want me to give out all of them? 330. No, that's my number. 877-573-7825. 877-57-EQUAL. Now, it's kind of dumb giving out the number before you even know what it could be for. Some of you know what it could be for because there are those of you who say, I listen to you every day. And my response to them is, I don't listen to me every day. So I'm rather... uh, Rather impressed that you do that. <clears throat> Probably the ones who send me the emails and say, you know what you should have said, Dr. Ray? 877-57-EQUAL is the number to get onto the program. I don't have my phone with me because I had some things I wanted to talk about for my phone, but I don't have it with me. I left it in the car. Somehow I just feel like I walked in here without shoes on. I don't have my phone. Program here is a call-in program where you are the guests. I get a lot of email from HR people, query letters, folks who are handling the media presentation of authors and various expert types. I can't take any of those folks. My guests are you. You are the ones I want to talk to, whether it's something in your life about people, something in your life about a situation that uh, really confuses you or stresses you, or perplexes your mind, agitates your emotions, stuff like that. Now, it doesn't always have to be a distressing situation. It can be something that uh, you're wondering about, a question of life, a question of uh, circumstances, a question of faith as it intersects with psychology, 
morality. The Catholic Church is pretty strong on um, what it says, through Christ's authority, is the best way to live. And it's interestingly enough, and I'm, I don't want to digress too far because i got a monologue coming, but research in sociology, in psychology, even in biology, is pulling parallel with what the church has been saying for a long time is the best way to live, doing this a lot. Now, they won't acknowledge necessarily that these ideas have been put forth in the Bible or in Christian teaching or by our Lord. No, they, they won't acknowledge that. Sometimes they act as though it's the discovery of modern exploration of the psyche. But it's been around a while. Maybe someday I'll do a monologue on how the modern sociological, psychological research is uh, discovering Jesus' long-standing ideas on how to live a well-adjusted way. All right, let me give you the number, because right now it's, the lines are very quiet. 877-57-EQUAL is the number. My oldest son, Andrew, not Andrew Kruchek, people ask me that a lot. Andrew Kruchek, is that your son? No, my oldest son's name is Andrew, though. He was at preschool, and we found out, and I don't know how we found out. I don't remember. You know, you look back in the past of raising your kids, and it's always kind of a, a fuzzy sort of reminiscence. We found out that Andrew got himself in a little trouble at school. He was in a cornmeal station. They have stations in preschool. You know, the cornmeal station and the sandbox station and the and the block station and the spray paint station. Okay, they don't have the spray paint station anymore. They, they quit that two weeks ago. But they have the stations and the kids move through the stations and Andrew, in some kind of impulsive move, grabbed a handful of the cornmeal and flung it at some kid. Now, me being a softball player, I asked several questions of the teacher right away, quick. I said, well, did he throw with his left hand or his right hand? Underhand or overhand? How far away was the kid? Did he miss him? My wife was, Raymond, be quiet. Be quiet. Well, it turns out that Andrew did this. And, in fact, he got, I think he, his punishment was, are we allowed to say punishment? I know you're not allowed to say that a lot anymore. Because that's really bad. You can't say punishment. The response, there we go, nice neutral word, of the teacher was to remove him from the cornmeal station. Brutal. Just brutal. He got home and I asked him about this. I think I remember how we found out. I think his sister went to preschool too. And pretty much we knew every single thing that was going on at preschool before teachers even knew it i said andrew you threw the cornmeal at this kid your buddy there in the cornmeal station what's going on now notice i didn't say why you you ask a kid why and he looks at you like what are you asking me for i'm only the one who did it i wasn't even in the universe at the time so what's going on there son what happened well dad I know some things are good to do, and I know some things are bad to do. But how do I know which is which until I try them all? Now, I am not making that up. That is exactly what he said. That's Andrew. Presently, he's an engineer. Now, I knew it was going to be a long year 
So what my wife and I did, we told Andrew, okay, son, well, uh, no more Mr. Rogers tonight. And that was punishment for me because that's the one where they were going to show how they put makeup on the Incredible Hulk. That That's a cool one. That's definitely a cool one. He, what else did he lose? He, he lost dessert. He had to go to bed early. And there was a couple other consequences. I don't know how the teacher got wind. Maybe Hannah told her to. You know what my dad did to Andrew when he got home and he found out that he threw the cord mail? Could be. Who knows? But the teacher said to us something to the effect, well, you know, kind of sounds like my grandpa. You get in trouble at school, you're going to get in trouble at home. And I said, Mrs. Teacher, Andrew broke a rule when he threw the cornmeal. And you handle it. Right. You, you did what you had to do. But he broke a bigger rule when he broke our rule. And our rule was, don't break your teacher's rules. So we did more about it. Now, is that double jeopardy? You know, double jeopardy is a legal concept. You can't try somebody for the same crime once they've been acquitted. So Andrew was already accepted his sentence. Removal from the cornmeal station. Oh, I don't know how he dealt with that so traumatic. Major trigger. But the bigger thing was, Mom and I had to handle something so that we reduce the odds that he does it again. It wasn't malicious. It was just dumb. And I think he just wanted to see what would happen. And I did ask him, did you throw with your left hand or your right hand? You throw with your left hand, you can only really play first base in the infield. You're stuck. You're stuck in the outfield, or maybe you can pitch. But you're not very tall, so I doubt that you'll be able to pitch very much. And you probably can't catch either. So I said, just make sure you threw with your right hand. 877-573-7825 is the number to call to get onto the program. 877-57-EQUAL. I sure would like to hear from you. This is Dr. Ray. I know not to ask any questions. Don't worry. I understand. Dr. Ray has more great advice coming up. Don't go anywhere. And that's a doctor's order. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. Have you ever been so grief-stricken and so heart-sick that you can't see God? You can't see God in the tragedy. You can't see God in that cross. You can't see God in that sin. Why? You're enveloped in that grief. You're enveloped in fear. And God is out the window. You don't see him standing right next to you. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. He is honored by the Church as a saint with the title of the Angelic Doctor. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Thomas Aquinas wrote a basic textbook for young theology students that became the Church's most famous guide to the faith, the Summa Theologica. 
it helped him earn the title Doctor of the Church. He died in 1274. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. This program is brought to you by the following nonprofit underwriter. Are you longing to hear God's voice? Lord, Teach Me to Pray, the free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to His voice, to the peace you are seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy, knowing Jesus personally. Lord, Teach Me to Pray is free. Go to lordteachmetopray.com, click on the red box, order the Lord, Teach Me to Pray series now. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Thank you for joining me. It's Dr. Ray Garendi program. The doctor is in. This is the very last time. I'm not going to do it anymore. You will not hear it again. We will be heading, good Lord permitting. Well, actually, a couple announcements. I'm heading uh, to Larchmont, New York, the parish there. Um, let me let me grab it. I got it right here in the book. Now, why, Dr. Ray, why don't you know these? Well, because I, I, I do a lot of speaking, and, and it's hard to keep track of everywhere. The parish there is St. Augustine's in Larchmont, New York, uh, this Saturday, November 11. I just dated the program, and which is a risk in case it's one of our least worst programs. Uh, we'll air it, and it'll be obvious it's the least worst. Larchmont, New York, little family conference there. Be talking there. And then couple days later heading over to wichita kansas going to be there for three days two of those days we will be taping the last four episodes of season 13 which will air next year always one year behind in the tapings of living right with dr a the tv show on ewtn live audience on the program when I approached the EWTN folks, I asked them, I think I'd like to have a live audience, a very interactive, fun, carrying on, asking questions, part of the bits, live audience for the program. So, Wichita, Kansas, you want to know details on this? It's the uh, 15th and 16th, which is a Wednesday and a Thursday night. Go to, here's the website, they got it all set up really very nice. Dr. Ray Show, Dr. Ray Show, Wichita, Dr. Ray Show, Wichita.com. Go there. I had somebody email the other day, said, I, I can't I can't find it. I can't go there. It's not there. And I, I pulled it right up. So it's there. And you can sign up. One show, two shows, three shows, four shows, however many you want. And if you bring the kids, we feed you in between shows. And we'll even feed you if you leave after the first show for the night. I think they run about uh, 5.30 and 7.30 or something like that. A couple of, couple of hours like that. So in Wichita, good Lord permitting, next week, Wednesday and Thursday. Piggybacking on what I was talking about with Andrew and my wife and I disciplining him for what he did in his class, even though the teacher disciplined him. Notice what we did. We thought we wanted to teach a stronger lesson than the teacher taught. You throw something at somebody, and I don't really know how hard he threw it or if he threw it into the kid's face. I have no idea. I probably was told back then, but I don't remember anymore. I was 10 kids ago, and I've lost dozens of brain cells, never to be replaced. 
we wanted to say, Andrew, you can't do stuff like that. We didn't think that the teacher's response was very strong. You can't play in that station now. You have to go play in another station. Rough, rough, rough. So we acted. I routinely will get parents telling me, I got a call from the teacher. I got a call from the Sunday school teacher. I got a call from this person, that person. I got a call from the babysitter. I got a call from grandma that he's doing this for them. He's giving them a rough time. They oftentimes will say, the teacher's not a very good disciplinarian. Her classroom is kind of loose, and, and my son is not the only one who acts up in there. There are three or four other kids who act up in there, and it's because she really doesn't handle them very well, in my opinion, the times I've been there. Or the CCD teacher is a volunteer, and she says he disrupts. And she's not, I don't think she really has a good, strong way to handle kids. So so my son's taking advantage of her. And I asked the question, do you want your child to behave only for those people who can handle him? Because I know a police officer can handle me. A judge can handle me. So... If a child behaves only for the strong disciplinarians or only for the skilled adults in handling children. Good question there, Mike. I'll be right with you. Is that what you want as a parent? See, I want my child to behave for those people who are not strong in their discipline, who are pushovers. I want him to treat them with respect. Now... I will handle it. He's my son. I will deal with it when I hear about it. I'm not going to turn around and say, well, my kid is only acting up because she's not very good at handling kids. Given that, I make sure that if we find out that our children, and this was back when my kids are grown now, that they misbehave for somebody else no matter who it was coach teacher grandma babysitter whoever we're going to deal with it we're not going to hide behind the curtain of well you know if they were better he wouldn't be doing this i'm not doing that i'm not doing that that's my son i'm the one responsible for teaching him to respect all people the ones who can handle you and the ones who can't so just a little piggyback on the manologue. Michael from Spokane, Washington. Hi, Mike. Hey, Dr. Spokane, Spokane. It was cold, 30 degrees last night. Man, we thought you guys were nice and warm from that breeze off the Pacific. <laughs> I raked leaves for three hours. I dreamed about raking leaves last night. <laughs> you rake, don't you have a leaf blower? You know, I don't. My friend had it, but he uh, we didn't use it. <laughs> he didn't have enough gas for it, so I raked and laid. Man, you laid are a more. throwback. You got blisters right there on your thumb, right out the base of your thumb, don't you? <laughs> Practically. <laughs> I can barely walk today. I took aspirin just so I could move. <laughs> yeah, my question is uh, on abortion. And, and uh, as a Catholic, uh, you know, I believe life begins at conception. 
Yet, as you know, there have been... Hold on a second, Michael. Let me stop you right there. Okay. You don't have to be a Catholic to begin to believe that life begins at conception. There That's was a, right. Good there point. was a, absolutely, that is the biggest piece of nonsense that this is a moral conclusion. Uh-huh. They did a survey worldwide, well, I don't know how many countries, but international, mm-hmm. of, I forget how many, several thousand PhD biologists, probably not religious, most of them. Mm-hmm. When does life begin? of them said the moment of conception. Right, right. So you don't have have to hide behind, well, you know, I'm Catholic, and I believe that God made all life precious, and life begins. No, no, this is biological fact that life begins as soon as fertilization. So, okay, I interrupted. Go ahead, my friend. No, that's that's good. That's all right, doctor. Um, Okay. yeah, and it, 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 since um, 1970. <clears throat> By the way, I missed you in Coeur d'Alene two years ago at that retreat. But as you know, there have been, uh, since 1972, there have been 63 million abortions in America, 63 million ab- uh, unborn lives lost. My question is, what are the emotional and psychological effects of abortion on women and men involved? And what does pregnancy care centers do to help? Can they be of help? But if you look at the secular research, they trumpet the idea that the vast majority of women are not bothered whatsoever. There are no after effects psychologically, emotionally, behaviorally, uh, familially, spousally, any other way. That's what they'll say. I don't think that's completely true. Surprise, surprise. I think how people, how women react to an abortion depends a lot upon well I just saw a st- okay I'll let me digress in one moment I just saw a statistic something like 60 plus percent of women get an abortion because they feel they were forced to because there was pressure on them to get that abortion so if we if we extrapolate from that and we say, well, there must be something very maternal going on with women who have a pregnancy. Okay, obviously, there's biological evidence for that. And they do it anyway. They abort anyway. The next question to ask is, okay, over time, what will happen? Now, obviously, there are, there are those women who are devastated by having gotten an abortion. And there's great, great... Rachel's Vineyard, uh, One More Soul. There's just a lot of great groups out there to deal with women who are uh, post-abortion racked with guilt, of course. That's out there. The question is, what percentage? How many? My personal experience is I have seen it change women in the way they approach their born children. I've seen some of them parent differently now. Because they realized I killed one of my children. They didn't realize that when they were 19. But now that they're 28 and they've got a child, they're looking at that child and they're thinking, what did I do? So I've seen that a lot. Okay. That's one factor. I see them sometimes change the way they approach in the sense that they're not as confident a parent 
because they're still so devastated by what happened that it changes their whole parenting. They become maybe loose or permissive, um, afraid to alienate this child in any way. I've seen that. Um, I think probably the biggest thing, Michael, is if they come to the faith, if they deepen in their faith, and they look at this through faith-filled eyes, it, it hits them hard. It hits them real hard, Michael. But you don't, you don't know the process of life after abortion, what it does as they look back. Great question. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much for letting me pontificate. 877-57-EQUAL. Number to call. Thank you for joining me. Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. St. Jose Maria Escriva says that we are called to light up the pathways of this earth by being sowers of peace and joy. This comes from being aware that we are sons and daughters of God. On the road of life, though, we find dangers, but God walks with us every step of our life, pouring out the gifts of His Holy Spirit upon us. Our Lady is our companion, like GPS in our car, connected to the cloud and bringing the latest updates to help us navigate our journey and get out of traffic on the way to the eternal kingdom. We don't want to get into family fights on our way to God's vacation destination, but we should be these sowers of peace and joy. We shouldn't accept substitutes, accept only the authentic identity of being His children, His sons and daughters. Let's grow in happiness and bring peace to those around us. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com. Can our society return to sanity? No, not without widespread spiritual revival. I don't see how it can happen. As Richard Weaver said in the classic, Ideas Have Consequences, nothing can be done until we have decided whether we are primarily interested in truth. And that's a capital T, not my truth, not your truth, but the truth we share of an objective moral universe. And that's where we have to stand firm and insist with all grace and with all love that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he did teach that the truth is good and will set us free. But there's no freedom until we re-embrace some shared understanding of the truth. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. A couple things before I go back to your calls. Some great benefits of uh, being older. I've noticed this as I've gotten older. Uh, first of all, nobody expects you to run anywhere. Um, you get into heated arguments about pension plans. I've noticed, too, you quit trying to hold your stomach in no matter who walks into the room. I, that's a good one. And I found myself singing along with elevator music because I know a lot of those tunes. The big one, though. When somebody calls me at 9 p.m., they always ask, did I wake you? There's some advantages of getting older. Julio from Fresno, California. 
Hi, Julio. How are you? Hi, I'm doing fine, Dr. Ray. How are you? You know, Fresno was made famous in the movie Airplane. Did you know that? Oh, no. I've, I've only seen parts of that. There was a scene where they were talking about going to Fresno. And the guy says, Fresno, Fresno, nobody goes to Fresno anymore. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, there's still a few of us left here. <laughs> so you are taking in a parent who is somewhere along the way toward, um, well, I would I would imagine moderate to severe dementia? Yes. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, she would ask what my daughter's name was. Uh, my daughter's like one year old, but I, I named her after my mom. And uh, so I, I was kind of surprised she wouldn't remember her name. Um, what so other things is she showing, part. Julio? What other things is she showing in terms of the dementia? Well, she can. She, she just asks the same questions every day um, about you know when my son's birthday is, and um, it just 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 says the same things every day basically. And I don't know. Uh, she she doesn't really like going to the doctor though, so so we don't have too much uh, officially diagnosed, but. But, um, you know, she forgets a lot. Okay. So the first thing you're noticing is some memory problems. Yes. Are you noticing confusion? In other words, she'll stare at the microwave as if she doesn't know what it's there for or how to use it? No. No, she's still pretty good there. Um, she she also, yeah, so no, no, she doesn't have that. Okay. And she knows she everybody. Still, like, walk to the store. Okay. Yes, she knows us all. And she doesn't get lost if she walks to the store. She can find her way back. Yes. Okay. So she probably, right now, would be considered mild, mild dementia. Why does she want to come with you? Why doesn't she want to stay in her own place? Oh, I just think it would be better if she lived with me. But uh, she will. she's happy to stay in her own place. It's just um, she also has issues with hoarding and... I guess I thought maybe I could get her a little, in a better situation if she lived with my, m me, my wife, and our kids. Was the hoarding recent? Was that part of the dementia? Um, I would say it's gone on for uh, maybe seven years or so. It just got worse and worse. Yeah, hoarding is, is not uncommon to folks who are, are moving through the, the dementia, I don't want to say progression, regression, if you will. What do you prepare for? Well, I think the first thing you might want to do is kind of look at your house and make sure that where you can set up safety, set up safety. For example, maybe a an alarm on the door that beeps if somebody goes out. When my mother-in-law moved into our house, uh, she was mild to moderate dimension when we had her to our house. And she was there for three years. We got rid of the gas stove. We got an electric stove. Um, we she had her own room, but but we we kept a very close eye on it, um, because typically what's going to happen, Julio, is it, it's going to get worse. It doesn't get any better. It's going to get worse. How how quickly it gets worse is really unknown. Um, but you you're probably going to run into increasing confusion, uh, perhaps. Just leaving the house, uh, that's that's the danger part. Or putting something on the stove and forgetting it was there. Or putting something in the microwave that shouldn't be in the microwave. Okay. Mm. 
Um, I think my mother-in-law put the dog's bowl in there once. Um, mm. So you have to you have to anticipate what kinds of things can happen that could be potentially risky and dangerous, given her confusion, her increasing confusion. And and you'll also probably get to a point where you'll have to decide: can we leave her alone? Yeah. All that's coming. Okay. Yeah, well, it's good to... Just wanted to ask you, I've been listening to your show for a little while, and, and uh, you know, I just wanted to ask your opinion because I, I like a lot of the advice that you give. At this point, Julio, if you say mom functions reasonably well, so therefore living with us will be good because she'll have companionship, she'll feel safe and secure, yeah. she's with us, she's got our love. That's great, but keep in mind the course of the dementia is downward. As I said, I don't know how fast that's going to happen with your mom. Typically, where she's at, as you describe it, um, two, three, four years from now, you'll see a significant difference, a very significant difference. And it'll be situations where she may fall. We, my my mother-in-law fell two or three times. Um she would get very, very, very confused. If she saw a movie, she thought that the actor in the movie was going to come and take her out on a date, and she wanted to go meet him, and she asked one of my children to take her to go meet him. So those kinds of things started to happen, and we we got better at anticipating it. Now, there there is something that, it's, it's, let's say a year or two from now, and you're thinking to yourself, you know, we can't really leave mom unsupervised anymore. Because she's done a couple of things that were risky. There are day there are day programs. Uh, my my mother in law was in a day program for a year, year and a half, where we would take her in the morning, and she would have the activities throughout the day, and then we'd pick her up in the afternoon, and bring her home where she was with us, and she was never left alone. One of the, one of the big kids was always was there with her. Um, so I guess what I'm telling you overall here, Julio, is. Be ready for the kinds of things that are going to occur as your mom moves further into the dementia. The other thing I would say is don't dispute her. If she says, for example, now what's your little one's name again? Mom. Mom, I just told you 10 minutes ago what her name was. Don't do that. Don't do that at all. Because for her, that was a brand new question. For her, the fact that she didn't remember it was was not necessarily anything unusual. So don't just don't say things like, "Mom, don't you remember? We we told you yesterday we were going to go to blah blah blah, and you said you wanted to go out to eat with us. Now you're saying you don't want to go. Don't try to avoid that kind of stuff. Just go with the flow on that. She says, "I don't want to go." Don't say, well, you said you wanted to go yesterday. Don't, don't do that. Just say, why don't you want to go, Mom? Okay, so what are we going to do here? Mom, I really don't want to leave you home alone, so we're going to we're gonna have you go with us kind of thing. There's some real good books out there, Julio, on, on dealing with a, a parent who's living with you and going through uh, the deterioration of dementia. Thank you for the call, my friend. And what you're doing is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a great sacrifice. And uh, you'll be giving your mother a lot of stability and love. This is Dr. Ray.
Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo. John chapter 11, verses 21 to 26. This is the story of Lazarus. Lazarus has died. Lazarus is one of his best friends. Just before this passage, we hear the news that Martha and Mary send word to Jesus that the one you love is sick. And the next line in the scripture is, now because Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was. His friend's in need. He can heal. They've seen him heal before. And yet somehow, because he loves him, he stays. And Lazarus dies. And then Jesus shows up three days later and is greeted by Martha and Mary, who confront him with the words, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would never have died. Rather applicable for many of us in our lives. We ask the Lord to do one thing because we're certain it is what we think is best. When in fact, he has something which far surpasses what we ask for. The challenge is in waiting for that to happen, we go through very trying times, which oftentimes makes us wonder, does he really care? Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. A conversation I had several years ago with uh, one of our listeners who wrote to me and said she was being challenged by a friend or a cousin or someone regarding the church and various teachings, especially on marriage and abortion and whatnot. And she said, I need the answers and I need them quickly because I want to quiet this person and shut them down. And I wrote her back and I said, I'm not going to give you the answers. I will give you some resources such as the link to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And I said, but you need to look these up and you need to read them over and you need to learn them because this is not going to be the last time that you're going to be challenged or questions about your faith. And what good is it if you're just barking answers to someone and you're not able to explain them charitably? This is a way we all should learn by doing the work ourselves. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Well, that sounds Christmassy. It really does, with the little little bells there. We're going to be uh, talking about, uh, shortly, relatives coming in for the holidays. Those who come from out of town, those you don't see but once a year, or maybe even less, and you got to deal with it, and you're a little anxious about it, out of sight, out of mind, you feel pretty relaxed about the relationship, but then when Uncle Fred comes in with his opinions, his political opinions, and all of that, uh, you're thinking to yourself, ow. So, we'll... uh, We'll talk about that. This was sent to me. Oh, let me give you a number again because because we still have time. We've got about uh, 15 more minutes. You should like to call in. Question, comment, helpful suggestion, especially those of you who maybe had an elderly parent who came to live with you for a while as they moved through dementia and it got to a point finally where they couldn't stay with you. Uh, safety factors were huge, not only for them but for you. Okay. Engineer had an exceptional gift for fixing everything. Served his company. He retired. Several years later, the company contacted him regarding a problem they they couldn't solve. It's one of their multi-million dollar machines, and they just couldn't get this thing to work. So they called him, and they said, you solved all of our problems. Uh, Can you come in? Engineer didn't want to come in, but he said, okay, okay, okay. So he spent a whole day studying the huge machine. At the end of the day, he marked a small 
X in chalk on some spot on the machine. And he said, this is where your problem is. Fix that, replace that part, and your machine will work perfect. That's the way it was. Machine worked perfect. He built the company, 50 grand. They were upset. They demanded an itemized accounting of this $50,000 charge. So he responded very briefly. One chalk mark, a dollar. Knowing where to put it, $49,999. Yep, you're paying for the knowledge. 877-573-7825. There are roughly 50-plus different diagnosable dementias. The most common is Alzheimer's. It's over 50% of all the dementias. A diagnosis of Alzheimer's is, is almost a posthumous diagnosis. In other words, on autopsy. You diagnose it on the basis of the symptomatology. You can look at the brain afterwards and you can see where it's all kind of shriveled up and you can see where there are what they call neurofibrillary tangles and you can see these tau proteins kind of scattered throughout the brain, which really do a number on the neurochemical transmission in the brain. Parts of the brain just die. Inch by inch by inch. Actually a lot smaller than that. And as they do, the ability to function cognitively and in many ways emotionally becomes more impaired. If you have a parent living with you who is on the front end of dementia, initially, for the most part, they can they can carry on pretty coherent conversation. They know who everybody is and they can operate most household things relatively skillfully they have a, a, a huge reservoir of historical knowledge on how to do these things but I remember a friend who was on the front end of something called Lewy body dementia and his friend told me that he handed him a letter to be mailed some something that I, I forget why exactly he was going to mail the letter but he handed him the letter the man stopped and he looked at this letter and he just stared at it for several minutes just stood there staring at the letter that is odd behavior now, one might say, oh, you know, he was just daydreaming or he was thinking something else or he was wondering where he was going to mail it. Perhaps. That's perhaps. But there were early slight indications of this. I've dealt with a lot of clients who come in who have taken on 
elderly parents. Have them in their home. They get frustrated. They get frustrated because of the repetitive questions. They get frustrated because of the memory issues. I shared this story, I think, before in this program a couple of times. My aunt, she was on the front end of dementia. She was getting confused. She was in her early 90s. We would go down to a restaurant south of our house for breakfast. I'd pick up my aunt. She was in... She was in assisted living, sort of, kind of, but there was a lot of supervision going on. Pick her up, take her down to breakfast, and we would start down and she'd say, okay, who's going to be there? And I would say, well, my mom will be there and uncle so-and-so will be there and, you know, the lady from church to go to church, she'll be there. Oh, that's really nice. Eight seconds later. So we're on to breakfast, huh? Yeah, yeah, we're going there. Who's going to be there? So I would explain all the way down, all the way to breakfast over and over and over and over again. The temptation is you don't want to get frustrated. You you recognize this is not something they're doing on purpose. This is a function of the brain not working like it used to work. Or, for example, and one of the things they now realize with dementia is there's personality changes. They used to say, oh, it's, it's memory issues, and it's confusing, and it's, uh, it's loss of uh, skill in operating and navigating life. Yeah, that it is. But there can also be personality changes. Uh, anger. Paranoia. Uh, my grandmother, as she was moving through her dementia, uh, she was accusing people of going into her drawers and stealing things from her. Or she would, she would call... The fire department. This is before she was moved into uh, a nursing home. She called the fire department because there were people going to set fires outside where there were no people there. But she saw them. So there are dramatic personality changes that can occur. And one of the things that people often say is, no, 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 no. He was always that way. Remember Julio's call? He said that his mother was becoming a hoarder. She was just simply hoarding. And I see that a lot in dementia, where they will have 27 cans of baked beans in their pantry. And those baked beans have been there for three years. Six boxes of pancake mix in there. Expired two years ago. They're in there. Why is this? Uh, one, One might say, for example, that many of these people grew up in much poorer times. And so they were nervous and worried about having enough should harder times hit. Well, when the dementia hit, those kinds of memories and habits kicked in. So they started to hoard. And they didn't have enough clear thinking left to say, okay, wait, wait, wait. I don't need 12 cans of 10 pounds each of baked beans. But those kinds of things happen. Right now, Julio's going to have to deal with what his mother might want to have in the house. If he was, if she was hoarding at her place, one, uh, I don't know how much she's going to want to bring over. And two, will she continue that at his place? These are all things that he'll have to deal with because dementia doesn't stay at the same place. It doesn't. There's no cure for it. It is a slow deterioration, and by slow, I mean 
year by year. But it's always in that direction. I got to take a break here. This is Dr. Ray. I worked in pro baseball for a long time, and we play on Sundays. And it was an easy excuse. I took the easy out and just didn't go to Mass. Got caught up on that whole selfishness, that whole, you know, um, I can do it all. The times when I was struggling were the times I needed God the most. And now that uh, I've come back and accepted God, my world has completely changed. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. Ciao, amici. Teresa Tamio here. If you're looking for something inspiring to give to someone this Christmas season, or maybe just a little stocking stuffer for yourself, make sure to check out the Ave Maria Radio online store. Plenty of books are sale to teach, inspire, and renew your connection with God. Speaking of sales, my book, Everything's Coming Up Rosie, is 25% off this month while supplies last. So go ahead over to AveMariaRadio.net and click on the bookstore. Happy shopping. He is honored by the Church as a saint with the title of the Angelic Doctor. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Thomas Aquinas wrote a basic textbook for young theology students that became the Church's most famous guide to the faith, the Summa Theologica. It helped him earn the title Doctor of the Church. He died in 1274. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. One of the things I do when I go to restaurants, if they bring me some kind of soup, if they'll, they'll bring some bean soup or something, I'll very <clears throat> flatly ask the server, uh, how many beans come in that? And now they either look at me and giggle, or they look at me thinking, what an idiot. You got to be ready to take either one of those if you're going to ask that question. Rose from St. Louis. Hi, Rose. Hi, how are you doing? Well, Rose was my grandmother's name, and it's my little granddaughter's name. It's a beautiful name. Thank you. I like it. Mm -hmm. Got a question about my... I I had my mother live with me until she died, and she had Lewy body dementia. And now I have a brother. Well, he's been living with me since she died. I mean, since she moved in with me. And he has a stroke. He's actually had two. And I'm wondering, is there a lot of similarities between the two? Depends upon where the stroke occurred. There's two types of strokes. There's hemorrhagic, which is the less common. That's that's a blood burst. And then there is... Um, oh, what the heck am I talking uh, It means blockage. There's blockage. I'm blanking on... See that? I'm blanking on the, the name. Um, so the more common one is, is the blockages up in the small capillaries up there. 
And they now finding out that stroke, uh, many, many, uh, uh, infarct, infarct. The many, many capillaries that get blocked as the, uh, as the gunk builds up in them sometimes interacts with the dementia. So they find both uh, in the brain mm-hmm. at autopsy. Uh, a stroke may have more phys- immediate physical problems. You could lose sensation in a body area. You could lose mobility, sometimes half your body. Uh, you lose mobility. Um, a stroke can have a, a dramatic effect on your cognitive abilities. But dementia tends to be more broad. It tends to be much slower. If somebody has a stroke, those symptoms are there now. Okay, that boom. You go from, from functioning normally to however much damage the stroke creates, it's there. It's there the next minute, okay? The dementia tends to be, as you saw with your mother, the Louis body, I mean, that can go on for years, right? That, that slow decline. By the way, Rose, I just want to compliment you. Mm-hmm. You said that you took care of your mother until she died, and if she was in the latter stages of Louis body dementia, uh, that's quite a heroic task that you did. Well, thank you. I think that's going to lop a, that's going to lop a lot of days off your purgatory. You know that. <laughs> sure is. Well, if I had patience with my brother, it would be better. <laughs> um, well, how old is yeah. he? Sixty-seven. So he had a stroke. Did he have a major stroke? Did it affect large parts of his functioning? Well, he had a brain injury when he was four, and now. I don't, they don't know when he had the strokes. I suspect there was one in the last several years, but the neurologist kept saying, oh, he looks the same. And, the, um, and then he had a heart, massive heart failure this summer. And now he's, uh, they say he had two strokes in the past, but they don't know when. What kind of functioning? So his whole left side. Okay, his whole left side is affected? affected? Okay, yeah, that's a major yes. stroke. Probably in the, in the, in the, probably in the carotid. So, so given that, you're, you physically have to take care of him? Well, he's somewhat functional, but, you know, I, he's in my house. He, he lives with me. Okay. Is, is his, are his emotions what they would call label? In other words, they're a trip switch? He can get angry quick or no. he can... No? Okay, well, no, that's good. he doesn't. All right. Um, is he depressed over his situation? Yes, I think he is. Okay. He's figured at age 67, I'm totally disabled or significantly disabled, right? Well, he doesn't think there's anything wrong with him, and he wants to eventually go out and live on his own. And I see. All this, but that's been a dream okay. for years. Yeah, it is. Rose, call me back. I'm getting cut off by the clock. But stroke is uh, often significantly different than the various forms of dementia. And this is Dr. A. Thank you so much for joining me here on The Doctor Is In. Hopefully to see you in Wichita next week. Walk with God. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.